One of the things that I want to be really just kind of upfront and is that 2020 has been 2020 has been a year. Can I get an amen on this? Just everywhere you turn around, there's been frustration, the pandemic, sickness, health, arguing, fighting, riots. You know, if it were a hula hoop, it might look like this one right here. If you're like, you know what, I need a meal to celebrate 2020, my guess is this is what you would be served. But every year needs a mascot. And I think the perfect mascot for 2020 is this guy right here. Just check him out real quick. So in the midst of 2020, what I want us to do as we get into the Thanksgiving season is I want us to focus on things that we can be grateful for. Instead of whining, griping, and complaining, instead of being divisive, instead of finding the things that we can complain about, what I want us to do over the next several weeks is I want us to look at stories in the book of Mark that can bring forth God's light and his love and his truth in a way that in our hearts and our lives it will bring about gratitude for all of us. And so today we're going to talk about the cleansing that God does for us. And it's really a powerful story whenever you look at it. And it's amazing how relevant God's word is to our lives. What is taking place here is as we get into Mark chapter 1, there's a beginning of Jesus's ministry that's taking place. He is starting to make his way from town to town. He's starting to perform miracles. He's starting to kind of come into his own as a teacher, as a rabbi, as a leader. And as his reputation is beginning to grow, people are starting to come to him. But Jesus is not at a point to where he's ready to go public. He's not at a point to where he really wants to be out in the, the forefront of everything. He's not looking for fame and notoriety at this point. What Jesus wants to do is he's trying to keep a low pro profile and kind of build a base so he can go around Jerusalem, so he can go around to his people and share the message of grace and love and hope and mercy that he has as the chosen one, as the son of God, son of man. So in Mark chapter 1, we're going to pick up the story, and it's about a leper, and probably you've read this story before if you've been in church for a while, but Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40, says this, and a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. Verse 43, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer yourself cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, just kind of to hit on this one point, when one had leprosy or they had a skin disease or they had any kind of thing that was wrong with them, they were kind of sent outside of the camp and they were supposed to come back and go through the ceremonial cleaning. So as Jesus healed this man, he said, I want you to stay in line with the law. So go present yourself to the priest and go enter the ceremonial cleansing part so that you can be in line with what the Word of God says. Verse 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. 
when we look at this, there is a man who had an infectious condition. Leprosy was a severe skin condition. It disfigured the body. It was a disease that people feared. It was so bad that not only would people have it and know it, when you looked at someone, you could tell. Their face would begin to kind of crumble from the outside, and you could look at it, and ears and noses would, would fall off. Leprosy is so bad in some cases that people lose fingers and toes. And what I was going to do was show you a picture of it, but to be honest, I don't want to disgust you that much. Leprosy was something that when people saw it, nobody wanted. And so what they had done as God's people, what they did in every society, when somebody got leprosy, when they contracted this disease, they sent everybody far away from the town. So they had these little villages where all the lepers gathered together so they didn't have to do life alone. If you will, they quarantined all the lepers. And as the lepers were out doing their life, if they began to heal, they could make their way back into the camp. And so it was very uncommon to see a leper make their way inside of a crowd. It was very uncommon for a leper to make their way inside of the city. And so when we see this event taking place, a man with leprosy coming in, the way that I think we could contextualize it for today is if we knew that somebody who had COVID came into our church. Maybe if somebody with COVID came into your classroom or maybe somebody with COVID was walking around a grocery store, walking around a neighborhood. Maybe they came to your house, knocked on your door and came in. If they had COVID, you know that you would initially say, step back, get away from me. This is how all lepers were treated. They were treated with maybe disdain. They were treated with fear. They wanted everyone removed from them. There was a misunderstanding about how the disease was contracted. There was a, a misunderstanding about who could get it and how. And I, I just was looking at this, and I, I want to make sure everybody understands the safety precautions that we put into place at this church. And these are not based upon what we believe in faith and love. You know, although we want to be a people of faith and love. Amen? Anybody not want to be? I mean, Richard said amen, so i got to assume everybody's on board with this. But the CDC has put out these guidelines for how we can contract COVID-19. There are a few things that we need to know. Individuals, this is how you become exposed to the disease. In, individuals who have had close contact within six feet for a total of 15 minutes or more are able to contract this disease, right? So as a church, what we've done is we've separated you whenever you come into worship, every other row or six feet. Whenever we have connect groups, we've asked all of our connect group classes to keep how many feet apart? Six feet apart. Whenever you cannot maintain social distancing, what do we require of you? Wear a mask, right? They say that if you wear a mask and you're around someone with COVID, you don't have to fear getting the disease. And the reason that I bring this up and the reason that I need to make sure that people in our church know and understand what we're doing as a church is we want you to understand that to the best of our ability, everything we're doing, we're creating a safe place for you. And you might be able to go to the grocery store and as you walk down one aisle, you'll notice that Walmart and Kroger and Tom Thumb, all these places have arrows to where you go up one aisle and down the other. Nobody follows it. But here at church, 
We're doing everything we can to maintain the social distancing, to keep you safe, because we don't want people to think that church is an unsafe place. We want to make sure that as you come in, you understand that we're doing everything we can going above and beyond to make sure you're safe, which is why we disinfect everything in between services. Well, as people leave a classroom, we ask them to spray their chair down because we want you to understand that church is supposed to be a safe place. And you know this just by your participation in the service because the reason we have three services right now is not because our attendance is bursting at the seams. The reason we have three services is so we can maintain a safe place for everyone to come to worship. And I'll say this. In the way that people feared what was happening with the lepers, people fear what's going on with COVID. I understand that. We should be cautious. But I believe our church outside of your home is the safest place you can be. And I'll say this. The biblical mandate that God has given us to not neglect gathering together is still a mandate for the believer during a pandemic. I've talked to so many pastors and they said the most harmful thing that has happened to believers in COVID is their inability or their lack of desire to go to church. There is this general consensus that pastors will never shut the doors again. I don't know what that's going to mean. I'm not trying to get into a political hotbed topic or anything like that, but this is what I know. Church is God's gift that he has given the believer to live the life that he has called us to. And we cannot go against God's word, neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, because when that happens, all we do is hurt ourselves. So you had these lepers that were pushed away. These lepers who looked gross. These lepers who people feared. And as you think about this fear, on their outside, it represents, I believe, what happens on the inside of those who have contagi- or who have gotten this contagious disease of sin. Whenever you think about what happened to a leper's body, I think this is what happens when sin comes into a body. Sin comes in and it's gross and it smells bad. It disfigures, but most of all, sin destroys God's design. What happened with leprosy, whenever you look at it, I I didn't get a real picture, but I found a cartoon that I, I thought maybe we could go with, one that was safe for church. Whenever you think about what would happen to a a person's face as maybe it would begin to to melt off or decay or just kind of crumble, that's what sin does to us on the inside. It destroys God's perfect design and it removes us from a right relationship with him. And as you think about sin and you think about leprosy and how these things go hand in hand, I think it points to the need of a savior. And I love the approach the leper had to Jesus. The leper came to him and imploring him, kneeling, said to him, he said, if you will, you can make me clean. This man risked everything, right? He could have been stoned leaving the leper's camp and coming into contact with everybody in the city. This did not happen outside of the city. He broke ceremonial law so that he could get to to Jesus. But whenever he got there, his approach toward Jesus is a lesson for every single one of us. His approach toward Jesus is an example that we should follow in our own hearts and lives because I think what happens a lot of time is we become maybe self-righteous in our approach to Jesus. 
Maybe a better word for that is in our approach to Jesus, we become entitled. And as we look at this leper, I think that he gives us an example to follow when it comes to our approach with Jesus. It says that imploring him and kneeling, he came before Jesus. And it's the idea that he didn't say, hey, you come heal me now. It's the idea that he made his way there and imploring him. He went to the teacher, the rabbi, and you can almost see it, right? This desperation in his, in his approach, imploring him, begging him. And then he said this, if you are willing, you can. He's reverent and humble. I know who you are, and I know the power that you have. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And that speaks to his belief and his knowledge of the power of God. You can. Imploring, begging. If you're willing, you can. And then he says this, make me clean. This approach of the beggar is one, or this leper, is one that is not only confident in his great God and Savior, it's extremely personal. It's, Father, I know. Teacher, I know. Messiah, I know. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, can we be real for a moment here? When's the last time you approach God with desperation? When is the last time you looked at your life When's the last time you looked at a habit or a hang-up or a hurt and you said, God, I know you can fix me. God, I, I know this situation or this sin struggle that I have in my life, I know if you want to, you can just speak your truth into my heart. Your spirit could come over me and I could be set. That's what this leper saw on the outside. But I think as we look at leprosy and everything we know about it, on the outside, I think that is the condition of the sinful man on the inside. And I love this idea that we are to come to Jesus desperate. The leper had nowhere else to go. I believe that we need to come to Jesus reverently. He is almighty God, creator and sustainer of the universe. I believe we need to come to God believing Father, I know you can do this. You want to know the, the secret of our success as a church? You want to know what has been taking place that I think has moved mountains within our church over the past several years? Something that we've seen in 2020 with the sale of 4309 Main Street pending and the sale of the 11 acres? It's this belief that comes from knowledge that we can't really do anything, but God can do anything. Impossible is nothing to our great and mighty God. The secret to the success of the church is a power of prayer. It's not a preacher, can I get an amen? It's not great programs. It's not having a great strategy. Those things might be helpful. At the end of the day, it is God Almighty who brings people to faith and repentance. It is God Almighty who makes the way when there is no way. It is God Almighty that moves People that have hearts of stone into hearts of flesh that pursue and drive after God. Prayer is the power that we see in our church. And as this man came humble before God, as this man came in desperation for God, we see Jesus had this response 
of compassion. And I believe with all my heart as we look at the scripture, Jesus' response is always compassion for those who come to him. If you have a hurt and a hang up, and you say, Lord, I need you to set me free. God's not going to look at you and smite you. If you come to God and you say, God, I just can't break free. I need you to do it. God's not going to look at you and say, you know what? Tough luck. You just sin. Stay in this cesspool of sin. When we come to him with desperation, pleading for his good and glory in our hearts and our life, he always gives us compassion. Look at this verse as we move, move on. It says, moved with pity. Right, move with compassion. Moving because he saw this man's state. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. He touched a man that you're not supposed to touch. He looked at him and said, I will have mercy. I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was made clean. This is such a powerful Example of God's grace and his mercy and his own power over sin, death, and the grave. Through a simple touch and simple word, this man was cleansed. I love this because it gives me hope in my battle with sin, right? God doesn't call us to go to a class to be made new or whole. He doesn't call us to master any kind of nuclear physics. I don't have to learn the ins and outs of calculus or quantum physics. I don't even have to do anything. I just have to approach my great God and Savior, and with a simple touch and a word, He gives us victory. He gives us victory over sin and death and the grave. And here's the greatest part of it. The victory has already been won by our great God and Savior. It's this victory that He promises us. This victory over sin and death that just makes us new and fresh from the inside out. And as I I think about this, there's this great tragedy that takes place as we continue on with the text. This man who was an outsider. This man who was rejected by everyone. This man who was dirty and unclean got healed. And in verse 44, Jesus gives him an instruction to follow. Look at this. And it says, and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. But go show yourself to the priests and offer yourself for cleansing for what Moses had commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now whenever we look at this, there's a lot of responses that we could have. How many of y'all think that he looked grateful? You think he had great gratitude for what he did? How many of y'all would say he was obviously excited? Let me see your hand if you'd be like, man, he's excited. How many of y'all would have been excited too? How many of y'all can see the zeal that he had for Jesus? Anybody? Let's see your hand. He got zeal? How many of y'all would say he was sinful and disobedient in his response? Bad intentions are good. Come on, let's let's vote. If y'all would say, I think he had good intentions, raise your hand. How many of y'all were like, no, I think he was trying to do evil to his Savior? 
Doesn't make any sense to think that, right? Out of his zeal and his excitement and his desire to let everybody know, there was a negative consequence that happened to his Savior. He was forced out into desolate places. Now Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew all things, right? And he healed them anyway. But I think there's a lesson to be learned here. I think there are a lot of people with good intentions, with zeal and excitement, sometimes have actions that they don't see the negative consequence of because they're just overcome by their excitement. Overcome by what's happening in that moment. Yes or no? You know, I've thought about some of the responses we've had to some of the things with COVID. Some people might have great, I think people are trying to help. You should do this or you should do that. But instead, does it help or hurt? I think there's times when maybe somebody shares something with us. Like, I need you to keep this private. Keep it between us. And we think, oh, you know what? I'm going to help. I'm going to help. So I'm going to go tell everybody what they told me not to tell. You ever been a victim of this? We had a lady in our church a few years ago who had this secret. She didn't want anyone to know. She told it to the wrong person. The wrong person told everybody in their connect group. Became a humiliating situation for this person. This person left the church because the secret that she shared was exposed to everybody. What I want us to, to see in this is maybe in our excitement and our zeal for good, with good intentions, sometimes when we don't do or follow instructions, it can have a negative impact on those around us. Now, the good news for us is we were once contaminated by sin, right? Those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus, God's Son, was sent from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life. He became a perfect sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave. And in Christ, we have new life. And those of us who were in Christ don't have the same mandate that the leper had. The leper was to keep quiet, go about the ceremonial and cleansing, and just pronounce himself as healed, right? Instead, he went a different way. He told everybody about Jesus. You know what's kind of confusing to me in this? The person who was told not to share couldn't keep his mouth shut. But it seems like some people in the church, I don't want to say everybody in the church, who have been told to tell everybody just don't know how to do anything but keep their mouth shut about Jesus. Amen? Or oh me. I agree or Cole, get off my toes. See, our commission is to live a life sharing the good news in Jesus Christ. The great commission for all believers that as we are going, the idea is as we are living our life, we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Like I think about this, right? What are some places where we live our life? If you're at the grocery store, or you're at the community in the park, or you're at school, or maybe you're at a restaurant, you're in your community, your neighborhood, share the good news of Jesus with other people. The greatest way I know for people to share their faith is not just by going through a class, although that's important. You should go through the three circles or share Jesus without fear or EE, if y'all remember that one. I'm a product of EEE. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? 
question. Change my eternity. But I think the greatest way that we are going to be evangelists for Jesus Christ is we need to be infected with Christ. We need to be contagious with Christ inside of us. There's this book written, being a contagious Christian, contagious Christianity. The way that Christ infects us is not just receiving Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, but it is living out why he died for us, which is that personal relationship with him. We've got to daily spend time with God. The way that we spend time with God is by acknowledging his presence in our life, a quiet time or daily devotional. You want to be infected with Christ in your life? You've got to talk to him. You've got to have a powerful prayer life. You want God to transform your thinking so that it transforms your mind, so it transforms your action and your living. You've got to get into God's word. You've got to dive into scripture. You've got to have a Bible study life. If you want God to transform your thinking, if you want him to dominate and continually resonate within your heart and your life, in your mind, you've got to memorize scripture. And so help me God, if you want to live a life pleasing to God, you have got to be connected to his family. Instead of people being passionate about God and his family, we are concerned, we're cautious, and we no longer even invite people to church. Think about it this way. One of our themes for this year was to be a bringer. Did you know in a time of COVID, those who were inviting friends to church are having a response? Look at our young adult ministry. We have been baptizing young person after young person after young person. They're coming to church, they're getting connected, they're entering into discipleship, they're getting saved and baptized because their friends are inviting them to church. Well, everything else seems to be shrinking. The group of people who were inviting people to church are growing. Be infectious for Christ. Be like, well, they don't follow any of the rules. I've told Hunter his job's on the line if they don't maintain social distancing. And I'm not kidding about this. I've told him, when y'all are doing your stuff, you better be safe, because I don't want to have an outbreak in the young adult ministry that would have a lot of harm in what we're doing. So we pressed him. I've reminded him, maintain social distancing. Do your thing. But guess what? They're still inviting their friends and they're still coming and they're still getting saved and they're still getting baptized and that ministry during a pandemic has gone from about 8 to 40 because the young people haven't forgotten to be bringers to church. They haven't forgotten to be infectious for Christ. They haven't forgotten the biblical mandate to hold firm to the word and the truth and to live it out in their daily lives. Think about it this way. How many of y'all know someone that have been negatively impacted by COVID? Anybody? You know what COVID brought about? A realization of how lonely people were. How isolated they were. And when we see loneliness and isolation, do you know what that brings about? A desire to belong. They want a place where they can belong people to care for them, love and encourage them. And I'm telling you, 
we can be safe, we can be cautious, and live out the Great Commission at the same time. What I'm hoping will take place in our church over the next several weeks and months is that we will be so infected by Christ that our zeal would drive us to bring people to the Savior to where we could see 2021, the end of 2020, be a year where the baptismal waters are consistently stirring. Maybe more baptisms than we've ever had in the history of our church. Because overwhelmed with gratitude, we bring people to the Savior. We announce His presence in our hearts and our lives. 